Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, good morning, rise and shine. You're on with this due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear, that's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was Wow Wednesday, and we started off with our socially conscious segment with our girlfriend Viv. And uh, Vivian talked about the FTC, who's saying that our QR codes mm, is a gateway to our pocket. Yes. You know how, you know, as technology is increasing and we are finding more and more ways to make it easier for us to make purchases and access different websites. Well, the thieves are at it again. They have been found to substitute some QR codes. And while we're thinking we're accessing something, they are actually robbing us. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Malware can be installed. It's just the more we work on doing things, the more they work on doing things. So please be very careful. They say... You know, pay attention to the QR codes that you do scan. Sometimes you might need to use a phone number. Instead, update your phones on a regular basis and use strong passwords, okay? All right, now. Ah, We also heard about the Adams administration, who's about to sink six hundred million dollars towards training our young people in the tech industry. Yes, they're going to uh, enhance the summer youth program, some CUNY programs. Yes, helping young people to learn 
technology for free. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot of money. However, we're going to need it because we're we're about to go technology-wise, excuse me, in order to keep our children and our young people, you know, up to the latest um, technology, we're going to have to really sink some money into it. Well, $600 million is a whole lot of money, and it's going to be well worth it. And hopefully they will not be the ones who are behind in, you know, learning all this technology. Right? Right. Well, what else did we talk about yesterday? Well, Vivian talked to us about the police officer, the off-duty police officer, who went to use the restroom in his child's school, took off his service weapon, put it down, and forgot it. Yes. Well, thank God it was, you know, recovered before any student got to it. And uh, he had a lot of explaining to do when he realized that the weapon was missing. And, you know, now this could have gotten into the hands of someone who was really destructive. So, you know, thank God that, you know, there was no tragedies. And uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, missed the, we, we dodged a big bullet there. Yeah, well, the ladies talked about some things that men should know. Yeah, the ladies somehow or another, the women, made a list, not our women, but the women made a list, and they're saying that uh, they're going to give the men some insight to, you know, who we are. And it's some things that are essential for them to know about us. Well, one of the things that they said is men need to understand that sometimes we cry for no reason. Well, the ladies on this particular show do not agree. There's always a reason why we drop that tear. You better believe it. Oh, you must be kidding me. Mm. What about the fact that if you're not into us, just let us know. That's something that men should know, right? Absolutely. We don't define a relationship by the size of a ring. Well, some of us do, but the majority of us don't. You know, it doesn't really... Yeah, we want a big ring, but, you know, what does that really say at the end of the day? So, I mean, there were some really, really, really good things that were itemized, and women felt that, you know, men should know. So, go ahead and go back, and go ahead and go back and listen. Yes, listen, listen, and then listen again. It was a fantastic show. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy it if you missed it. If you heard it, then you see how much you enjoyed it. So go back and listen. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You're going to always catch some things that, 
You didn't catch the first go round. Okay? Alrighty. Well, today is Therapeutic Thursday. And this is the day we discuss our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, our financial health, anything that has anything to do with our health, we discuss it today. And today, I've got a treat for you, all right? So sit back, relax, and, you know, get ready to have a good time. Get ready to have a good time. But before we do that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on, and whatever you do, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Keeping your kids healthy is the first step to protecting their dreams. When you keep them safe, there's no limit to how far they can go. Nothing is out of reach. No mission? Impossible. Give your son or daughter a better chance to see their dreams come true. Give them the HPV vaccine at age 11 or 12 to prevent HPV cancers later in life. Sometimes in the public 
But I came across an article. I believe this was a listener sent article that talks about what happens when we actually flush the toilet. Mm. And the germs that get emitted when we flush. So they call it the toilet plume. And they say it's filled with germs and bacteria like Legionella, noroviruses, and E. coli, which can be deadly in some cases. Now, excuse me, they say that when we flush, the toilets emit some aerosols, but we don't get to see those aerosols. Mm -mm. Sometimes we know they're there because we feel it, you know, and I have to tell you, sometimes some of the things that go through my head, I'm like, ah, it kills me. But they, <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, they did a, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but they they did, they showed us, let's put it this way, they showed us a flush in the dark behind a green light. And they say that the flushes create something that they call a strong chaotic jet. And that's a cloud of some nasty stuff that can reach the height of nearly five feet and the speed of 6.6 feet per second. So they say the smaller particles that come up from the flush can linger in the air for hours and it lands on anything in the bathroom the surfaces of the bathroom, different objects in the bathroom. And that's one of the reasons why they're saying about um, your toothbrush. For those who have toothbrushes, like near your sink, um, for those who have, like, those, um, like you have those stands above the toilet, five feet to six feet in the air. <laughs> that stuff, those aerosol things are everywhere. So they did this flush with the green light that actually showed what happens when you flush. And Man, when you see this study, if you will, it is a bit much. It's a bit much. You're like, oh, my gosh, is that, yeah. And, you know, that's 
whether we're going to a public restroom, that's whether we're going to, you know, if we're using our personal bathrooms, it doesn't matter. But this stuff, you know, is all over the place when we flush in. Just think about all the germs that are going everywhere. Think about the times when your mouth is over there. paying attention to what we're doing, we can't prevent. So, what they're suggesting is we simply close the lid, okay? Before we flush, just close the lid. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that nothing gets emitted, but at least it will help contain the aerosol that get emitted into the air. Okay? All right. Now, there's one more thing I want to... Oh. Okay. Okay. There's one more thing I want to talk about this morning. Now, now that it's, you know, the winter time is, is coming and, you know, the snow might be falling in certain places to the degree where, you know, the lines are down and things like that. Because every year you hear of some, you know, mess that's happened when there's too much snow and the weight of the snow, you know, on the tree branches. And, you know, then you have those emergencies where the lines are down and you can't, you know, you have no food and no electricity and all kinds of things. So they're reminding us that we need to get a survival kit, okay? And they say we need to make sure the survival kit lasts us for 30 days. Now, I got to tell you, Lord, help us (laughs) if I'm stuck. For 30 days in my house with my set, where we don't have any electricity or anything like that, we may, you know, we may not have had, you know, 30 days, but we definitely know there have been people who have gone at least a week with, you know, stuff that has happened. You know, this this year, we didn't do too bad with the hurricane. Yeah. They say we normally have up to five to seven hurricanes, and we really made out really well. But, you know, the wintertime always, you know, brings new possibilities. So I want to help you prepare for that disaster. So let's get this disaster plan together, okay? So we're going to talk about some food that they're listing that we want to make sure we have in our arsenal. And they say that we need to make sure we have both kinds of emergency foods, and that's the foods that you need to cook and the foods that you don't need to cook. Now, we all have, you know, we need the ability to have some cooked food because food that... uh 
can be cooked is not really going to hold you necessarily. But my thing is, if you ain't got electricity, then you can't cook because I would not suggest some other methods that people can, you know, use to cook. All right? So the foods that you do need to, that foods that do not need to be cooked. Are you ready? Okay. You want to make sure you have crackers, rice puddings, bars of granola, peanut butter, jam. Give you a chance to to, uh, catch up. Come on, we're going to get the survival kit together. Can't say Pastor Steph did not help to equip you. Okay, some dry cereal. You want to have some powdered milk or canned milk. Fruits that have been dried or some fruits that are in vegetables in cans. You want to have some canned soup, meat and fish in cans. You want to have those pickles, those beets, those beans, and other jarred foods. And they say they're ready to eat meals. Now, I can't, I could not think to save my life, and I didn't have a chance to kind of look this up. So you look it up, the ready to eat meals. Okay, so the foods that you need to make sure you have in case of an emergency and there is no power that do not need to be cooked, crackers, rice puddings, bars of granola, peanut butter, jam, dry cereal, milk, powdered milk or canned milk, fruits that have been dried, fruits and vegetables in a can, canned soup, meat and fish in cans, Pickles, beets, beans, and other jarred foods, and those ready-to-eat meals. Okay? Now, I don't know how you're going to get this done, but they say that we need to make sure we have a few things on hand that must be cooked in case we're on that, uh, emergency journey where we don't have any power and again i don't know how you're gonna make this happen but whatever you do please make sure it's a safe method you want to have your pasta they say some rice and barley you want to have some legumes and some dry beans you want to have some instant soup packets and instant mashed potatoes. All right, I give it to you again. This is the list of foods that must be cooked in case of an emergency. Pasta, rice and barley, legumes, dry beans, instant soup packets, and instant mashed potatoes. Now, You want to also make sure you have some 
They say those powdered beverage mixes, you know, those little packets of like Hawaiian punch or whatever it is. They say try to make sure you have something that has, you know, have vegetables. I'm not vegetables. I'm sorry, vitamins. Okay. You want to make sure you have a bottle opener. Now, remember, the old-fashioned can opener. An electric one will not do you any good. <laughs> you want to make sure you have your toilet paper. You want to make sure you have your plastic utensils and paper plates and paper cups. And water. Water that's going to last you for 30 days. Now, I know whoever is stuck with me, you better have your own water supply because Pastor Steph is not promising you I'm sharing my water. Now, I may have been forced to share my Mentos, but I am not sharing my water. So if we get stuck and we got to bunker down for 30 days, you better make sure you got a supply of water because whatever water that I have, <laughs> it's going to be for me. I'm going to need that water. Trust me when I tell you, I'm going to need that water. Okay. So, you know, giving God thanks that, you know, we've never had to really experience this, but there are people who get stuck like that. And, you know, you always got to make sure that you are ready. Okay? <sighs> All right. One more time. Oh, okay, I'm being asked for the last-minute things. Outside of the food, they say make sure you have those powdered beverages in a packet. Make sure you have a bottle opener. Toilet paper, make sure you have your plastic utensils, your paper plates and paper cups, and make sure you have 30 days worth of water. Well, see, here's the thing. People don't like to drink water like that no way, so I'm actually okay because I could probably really live off the water more than I could live off the food. Now, if I've, if you, if there's something that I didn't say and it comes to your mind, hit me up. You know how you get this done. And I'll, you know, give it out to our listeners. You know, maybe you got some things that were not included here that we're not thinking of because I don't, I have not, again, I have, thank God I've had to have no emergency stash because I just have stuff, but I don't necessarily have something that, you know, will last us for 30 days. And 30 days is a long time. You know, a week without electricity is a long time because our devices are not going to last that long. Our devices are not, especially those who can't stay off your phone, who can't stop texting. That's not going to last us for no 30 days. So that means that we always need to keep a charger. Uh, What do you call those things? The charger that... Oh, my goodness. Help me out. Help me out. Help me out. The charger, and I don't have one, and I don't know why I never got one, but, like, the emergency charger that that stays charged, like a portable charger. There we go. A portable charger. 
That's the other thing you need to add to your list. And for those of you who walk around with your phone on 2 and 3%, God help you if we ever go down. Because I cannot understand how people leave their house and their phone is not charged. Now, I'm not talking about when you may have to jump up and run out. Because that could happen. I'm talking about people who know you were about to leave the house and now they carrying around the charger. They're looking for somewhere to charge. I can't stand when I'm in a public place and somebody has a phone plugged up. I remember going to, I think it was the, the, oh, the, um, the place where you get your birth certificate. Man, that security guard was going off up in there. All those people who had those phones plugged up, he was like, this is not your house. And I was like, good. <laughs> yeah, so you want to make sure you have your devices. You know, pretty much keep your devices over. I try to keep my device over 70%. I don't really like to see my phone or my iPad go below 70%. It is really irritating for me. So make sure you have that portable charger. Make sure you put that on your list, okay? Listen, tax time is getting ready to come up. Instead of buying all that stupid, silly stuff, make sure you get this emergency kit together. Okay? All right, so don't say Pastor Steph didn't help to arm you in the event because we're about to go into some crazy weather. Now, we just happened to really make our well last year here in New York. We didn't get snow at all. Not here in the city. We didn't get any snow, so we didn't have to worry about it last year, but I don't know if we're going to get that, you know, a second year. So make sure you get this list, and if you need the list again, very easily go back and listen and get that list together and make sure you buy the stuff, you know, bit by bit, okay? All right. Well, today is a therapeutic Thursday, and God blesses us as we have our guests, and uh, we are really in for a treat today, very interesting topic, and I know that you're going to really, really, really um, enjoy our guest and Ms. Lori Sullivan is with us this morning. So let's say good morning to Lori. Good morning, Lori. Hey. Good morning. How are mm. you? Oh. Mm. I guess I need to talk more. <clears throat> Clear my throat. <laughs> How are you doing this morning, Lori? I'm doing so well. Oh, good. what a great season good. this is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> When, excuse me, the whole world is kind of unknowingly conscious of Jesus. <laughs> mm. Wow. You know, well, in celebrating you, Christmas, you know, even if they don't think about it, you know. Well, we're not, uh, we're on another, we're on another side of the fence, but yes. we are so happy to have you on with us this morning. What a blessing. And you have a very interesting book that you have written. And Thank before you. we even get started, why don't you tell everybody, give us a quick 
snapshot of who Lori Sullivan is. Oh, well, I am the daughter of two ordained ministers. Mm. And since I'm old, um, that means that my, my mom was kind of a, oh, a pioneer of sorts in becoming an ordained minister um, back in the day. In fact, her mother-in-law was not excited about that. But anyway, um, so I grew up with Jesus. I have known Jesus, my goodness, since, well, I, I gave my heart consciously to the Lord when I was four. And I always tell people I just, I grew up with Jesus. There wasn't a conscious memory without him. So that absolutely affects everything that ever happened in my whole life. So, um, yep, I, uh, I was a school-loving person. So I graduated from high school early. I went to a Christian liberal arts college. <clears throat> I got a degree in English education because I'm a word girl. And I uh, became an English teacher when I was 21 years old. Um, mm. it, I, I married uh, when I was 19. So well, there's a story. Um, because, you know, you know everything when you're 19, Pastor mm-hmm. said. You know, so that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Lord blessed me with a desire, desire, deep desire of my heart. I wanted children so badly. So I'm the mom of four boys because God wow. has a raging sense of humor. Um, wow. I, I am, uh, I'm a girly girl. So I got boys. I complained about that to the Lord, but, you know, he revealed to me how, how right his decision was. And that's the story. But, um, yeah, and then I married um, after my, my divorce. Um, I married my current husband, and he was the father of girls. So he had these three daughters. I have these four sons, and he and I adopted a 16-year-old girl. From my wow. high school classroom, actually. So we're the Brady Bunch on steroids. And um, <clears throat> we have 13 grandchildren, and um, I retired from teaching. I got to teach in China, though. I got wow. to teach internationally. Yes. Oh, and that's a whole wow. Um But we're back in the States, and... I retired from the classroom, and now I'm just writing my life away. Um, This year, my memoir came out, a journal that my sister and I wrote came out, and my journal that is the companion to the memoir, Married by Myself, um, will be coming out, well, actually in January. So I've been just writing and writing and and launching a podcast. So busy. You you got to retire to get busy. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. I like that. I think some of our listeners are going to appreciate that. You got to retire 
to get busy. Life really begins at that point because you really get an opportunity to start living your life. You know, like you said, you're taking care of yeah. family and, and all of that. So now you get a chance to kind of everybody's an adult, and now you can kind of do your thing. So I definitely get that. I definitely get that concept. Now, the name of your book is very interesting in and of itself. So give us the entire title of the book, please. Yes. It's called Married by Myself, Living a Parallel Life with a Man Hiding Behind the Cloth. Mm, okay. Now, I don't, I, you know, normally I get an, a, kind of like a description, but I don't want a description because I want us to be able to kind of gloss through some of your chapters without giving too much away and just to get their mouths watered <coughs> for what's in the book. And mm-hmm. it's your personal story, correct? Yes. Mm, yes. Okay. You have to so, live it and then you can write about it. <laughs> All right. So I want to dive right in because I had an opportunity to go through your table of contents that you sent me. And mm-hmm. it was quite an interesting list, Lori. So now let me just make sure. The table of contents for the journal is this is it the same table of contents for the book? No, well the book is written in chronological order. Okay. And okay. the journal is written topically. Mm, because okay. the the issues the 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 different issues might have happened um all in chat like two or three things happen in chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And then they'll happen again in chapter four, or and okay. So I decided the story needs to be told in chronological order. Okay. But the issues, okay. the pain points, are reoccurring. Mm. So what I did in the journal is, <clears throat> in the journal, I lit, I did table of contents topically, and then I cite the, um, a quotation from. Hey, maybe this from chapter one, and this happened okay. in five, and and it happened in seven. So, the the journal can be used for any Christian woman experiencing divorce. <clears throat> okay, okay. But okay, it is it that way. Um, it's separate. Okay. So people okay, don't have I got to you. feel like, oh, I need to read the memoir. In order to do the journal, okay. um, you don't okay. because I'll quote I'll quote from the memoir enough that you mm-hmm. get my take on it, and then you write your story in the journal. Okay, okay, all right, okay. So let's do this. Let's. I'm gonna gloss over the list, and I'm gonna pick some stuff out, and. Oh. You give us a brief, because I don't want you to give away too much, but just enough to keep their mouths watering until they actually get the book. Because the, just the topics in the 
journal alone is like, oh, my. So I'm looking here, and the first thing I think, our God story. Mm. Mm. Now, does that give us a nice jump start into the beginning? Uh well, I, I think it underlies everything. Like I said, I, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was four. Um, and so my God story began so young. But what I love about the the topical chapter, Our God Story in the journal, is a recognition to any woman who's writing and processing through um, any kind of pain is foundationally, all of us have a God story. And I say in the journal, even if you don't believe in God, you still have a God story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there came a moment where you confronted this God issue. Everybody. So what happened when that happened, you know? Because what happened for me was, you know, my parents were always involved in church. There's no conscious memory of of not God. And my mom and dad were so good with their honesty at home. They they loved the Lord, you know, all week long, 24-7, 365. You know, they were sold out to Jesus Christ and working for the Lord. And you couldn't miss it growing up in their home. And they presented it, you know, it in such a in such a way they lived it, you know, and you wanted to be part of that, you know. Um, but I had my own relationship with God, and I do talk about that in the story, citing <clears throat> a memory, of course, when I was four, because that's a fun story of how it happened. Um, how do you engage a four-year-old in that conversation? So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um And then there was a definite God and Lori encounter when I was 13. Mm, And what a pivotal age. Yeah. Um, But that solidified, I'm telling you, my faith. I was talking to God. I talked to him as naturally as I talked to anybody else. And I I think that's something for everybody to know. You know, this, yeah, I've, I've prayed prayers, you know, desperate crying prayers. I've prayed beautiful prayers. I've written prayers. But I talk to God like all day long. Um, So when this experience happened when I was 13, it was pivotal to faith because God met a kid. And that is huge. Um, So in in that God story, um, I think anyone who is experiencing pain needs to go back to that because that's where healing comes from. And I want my story, my raw truth story, to not only be told, but I want people to see that God is ever present through the entire journey of sorrow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, okay, so it's okay. So now you really got me kind of thinking. Okay, so. Just really quickly, tell us how you met this particular man who was hiding behind the cloth 
But don't tell us whether you thought he was hiding behind the cloth or not. But how did you meet? Um, when <clears throat> when I was 13, my father uh, took a church. He moved us from the coast of Maine to <clears throat> western New York area, um, Buffalo, New York, uh, where there's plenty of freezing cold air and snow. Um, so in a, I was 13. I was the oldest kid in the family, and it's just super hard to move when you're at that age. And, you know, I had all my friends, and so that's part of the moment that God met me. But we went to this new church, and <clears throat> I'm really grateful now, Stephanie, that God moved me. <clears throat> And he moved me, not just my dad. God planned my my move, too. And I can see it looking back. <coughs> Western New York was so much more diverse. Um, and I learned so much about God and his kingdom. But I met the guy that I would marry <coughs> when I was 19. Um, I met him at church. So he was, he's very musical, so he uh, would be on the platform, you know, in the orchestra. (coughs) And he was a handsome chap um, and very talented, um, musically competed um, in musical competitions. (coughs) Um, So he was a member of my dad's church. (coughs) Okay, okay. What what attracted you? You need do you need to get some water, Lori? I do. Okay, please take go ahead, take your break. Go get some water. <clears throat> Goodness sake. Wow. Are you okay? I'm getting all soaked up, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yes. What was your question? What attracted okay. me? Okay. Are you Are you okay? You okay now? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, what attracted you to him? His <clears throat> His humility when we went to college, and his desire to become a youth pastor because, remember, I became an English teacher for high school and I had a heart for teenagers. I remember wondering when I was 21, um, am I always going to like teenagers? Because I I found out, oh, some people don't. (laughs) And I Mm. thought, hmm, I I hope I do. Um, And I hope, you know, that I get a whole career out of this. And I can say now from the other side of it, absolutely. There's something energizing about having teenagers in your life, and I miss it. Um, <clears throat> there, There's this discovery and this confusion and this this need for, for love and connection, and I, I love teenagers. And he wanted to be a youth pastor, so he would work with teenagers. And 
and he uh when we were when we were home he didn't go to my college but he he went to another one in the same city and when growing up in the youth group together it was not attractive to him because he was uh he was a uh, a uh, a big fish in a little pond and mm-hmm. was kind of conceited and arrogant and <clears throat> would say very unkind things and and that wasn't attracted to him at all. But when we got to college, like a thousand miles away, and um, I observed him there, uh, he, he had changed. All of a sudden, he was a very small fish in a very big pond, and it created a humility in him. And he just, his heart, you know, that he was going to, he was going to work with teenagers, and I thought, oh, God, isn't that awesome? We, wow, God, good for you. You know, we would make such a powerful team for Christ because we both had that same heart, and um, I was, um, I have a degree in theater, speech and theater, and I thought, oh, you know, we could do, he's musical, and, and well, I like to sing, and where I, I could direct musicals and we could do plays and all this stuff with teenagers and and help them know Jesus. Mm. Okay, okay. All right, so now you're attracted to him. Now you get to the dating phase or courting phase because some people use words interchangeable for some people. You know, now you're, you're, you're now seeing one another. Now yeah. what causes you to get to the married, let's get married point? Mm. Um, honestly, the we don't want to, uh, I guess, yeah, we don't want to sin. So we don't want to have a physical relationship, but we're coming to a physical relationship, and uh, we better get married before college is over. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so you get married. Where do you live? You live in that same town? (laughs) Do you go back home? Yeah. Do you move away? Where do you live? We live in our college town um, in an apartment, and <clears throat> we have our two cars. Mine's a clunker, and uh, mm-hmm. we we work, uh, you know, and so I drive away in the morning. He drives away in the morning, and <laughs> we, uh, we have jobs. I always had a job. <clears throat> I worked for the university uh, as a, a grader of composition papers because <clears throat> I was a word girl forever. And okay. so I was hired hired by the university to teach grammar labs and then to grade co- uh, freshman and sophomore composition papers. So I always had that job. And then I also worked, let's shout out for Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. Sister did flip those burgers. Yep. Um, so uh, 
I work those those two jobs. I still love Wendy's to this day, and they are not paying me a dime. But that is real food, people. Um, that is not processed anything because I made your chicken, you know, um, and uh, and patted the meat. Let's just say so. Um, but I had those two jobs, and he had a job. So we're working, you know, for minimum wage, and we're going to school, and it's hard. Um, but I loved it. I loved everything about it. We also um, had an internship at a church, which was part of his uh, university's uh, curriculum. Requirement. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, requirement. So we were doing the thing, you know, that we thought we would do. And, oh, we were young and we had so much energy then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we just we just did it all. What did what did you think you were learning about him, Lori, while you were married at this point? Well, see, I did, because I didn't like him and because my my good friend who who is still a dear friend now, we've been friends since we were 13. She dated him on and off for three years when we were teenagers. So I found out things about him that I didn't like. I never liked. Um, So my relationship with him at that time was learning things I did like. Mm. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was backwards. I kept finding things that were precious to me, you know, because I had had so many years of information of him being a jerk. Um, he mm. cheated on my friend. <laughs> okay. I, I saw him at summer camp. He was cheating on my friend. It paralyzed me because I loved her so, and I didn't. I was at 16, and I didn't know how to tell her. And I didn't think I should maybe tell her. Was it my job to tell her? You know? Mm-hmm. And they, she ended up finding out, and they broke up. But they broke up, and they went out, and they broke up and went out. And I remember when she was 17, I grabbed her face, and I said, Just break up with him. He's such a jerk. Because mm. she cried wow. all the time. She always cried. So my relationship with him was when we weren't home, when we weren't in the spot where he was the big fish, he had this humility that was so attractive to me. And I had never known him that way. I saw vulnerability. And I can work with that, you know. I can't work with you being a cheating, lying jerk. But I can work with vulnerability, and I can see the good. And so in those, you know, coupled with, I mean, I did find out, I did find out dreadful things within 10 months of marriage, but um, I was also pregnant. Um, we we had uh, Nick, our, our little guy, uh, between my junior and senior year of college. So we were married almost a year, and then we had a child. 
Um, okay. So that was a journey. I mean, that'll send you into distraction, you know, um, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Uh, little guy was born um, two weeks before my senior our senior year started. So we okay. were really busy, yeah. And I took my little guy into the um, humanities office while I was tutoring students in their writing. And he sat one time on the, uh, he was in his little chair thing that rocked. So I'm rocking mm-hmm. him with my left hand. And with my right hand, I'm talking about composition, you know, English composition <laughs> with a student. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. Go back a little. Wait, 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 Laurie. Go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. So he's dating your friend off and on for three years. Yeah. At what age did you get married to him? Nineteen. Okay, so when you were sixteen is when you held the face and you asked her, "How come you don't break up with him?" Right? Yeah. Am I getting this? Yeah. Okay. So then, how did yeah, you end up marrying him? What'd you say? Yeah. It's all really sad when you put the timeline real close together like that, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you something. I'm doing this for a reason because hindsight is 2020. Yeah. It's like when you, when you go back and look, you're like, what in the world was I thinking? So that's I, I, I'm hoping that in this journey, in our in our talking today, that quite a few things will get revealed other than the obvious. In other words, we're mm. trying to get to some information about this book. Why did you write this book? How did you end up writing this book? What you know? But there's some other little things. So already I've found that there's some you know some stuff that we can call out of this in our own individual journeys. Ladies, pay attention. So at 16, you're holding her face and you're saying, hey, why don't you break up with him? But at 19, you end up marrying him, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how did that happen? Just real quickly, real quickly, because I don't want to take away two time. We only got like a half hour, and I want to make sure I get certain things. So how did you end up marrying someone that you told someone else to break up with? How did that how did that work? Well, when I told her that, we were home. So, <clears throat> again, he's a big fish in a small pond at home. And he's a jerk. But we get to uh I went off to college <clears throat> right away in the fall semester. He stayed home and didn't go to college with his buddies in a band. He was in a contemporary Christian music band, and they were not going to go to college. They were going to uh, travel with this band. And I remember rolling my eyes at the time thinking, oh, for heaven's sake, you know, um, how many people have that dream? You know, people got that dream, and 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 it's going to work for you. Okay, well, I'm going to university. Thank you. So <laughs> I I left, <clears throat> and my mom called me in December before I came home, and said, "Well, little news from the home front. Guess who's coming to university?" Mm. And I remember saying, "No, this is mm-hmm. my town." Wow. This is my space. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, two guys from 
two guys from the church, um, his friend and band member, um, the two of them went to the Bible college in town. I was at a liberal arts university. And they went to a Bible college because both of them decided the band wasn't working out and that they uh, wanted to go into ministry. So mm. um, he wanted to go in youth, into youth ministry. And I thought, well, you know what? It is a city. He's not going to bother me. Um, mm. Because, the, you know, two universities really don't intersect and whatever. Um, <clears throat> so that's how it began in January. Um, but then I got this phone call from him. He calls my dorm room and he says, Lori, I, I want you to introduce me to some of your friends. He said, because I don't know what's happening over here. He said, I have done all the things that I usually do and no girls are wanting to date me. Mm. And I laughed. And I said, well, Doug, that is actually the rejection you're experiencing is that's how the rest of the world actually lives. So you're having a common human experience that you've never had before. Yeah, because he never had it before. He was never rejected. He was always the king of the mountain, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I agreed and and this is going to date me and maybe get a giggle. I agreed <laughs> to um, letting him come with my gang uh, to Friday night roller uh, roller skating. That was the thing. Uh, okay. They closed the roller skating place down at 10 o'clock for all those little high school kids. And mm. the college students took it over from 10 to midnight living large, you know. So... Mm-hmm. Um, that was something we all did on a Friday night. And I said, well, you can come to that. You can come to that. And so he did, and nobody was interested. I introduced, I was like, these are my friends. You know, nobody was interested in him. And life, life went on. And I guess he just, I don't know, he came to my play. I was in a play. Um, and he took pictures. He was a photographer, too, and he came backstage, and he worked for the newspaper of his university, and so he came, he got him backstage, and he took pictures, and he saw my show, and he um, he developed the pictures, delivered them to my dorm room, um, you know, and that I think that's how that started. Okay. So I guess I would be curious to ask him questions. You know, Lori, you know, you know, Lori did not like you. Um, how on earth did you decide you liked Lori? You know, honestly, because I don't know. I don't know if okay. it was because I was established there, because I was honest with him, because I didn't, like, take his baloney. I, you know, um, I didn't, I wasn't impressed with his stupidity um, and, and his behavior. Um, maybe it was because all the people rejected him, you know, um, that he decided maybe I was a good look-see. Um, but I doubt my grandmother has a theory, um, that he saw his meal ticket. That's how she always used to say it. <laughs> that is so straight old school. 
Oh, and that sounds like a grandma. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Why did she? What was the meal ticket? What 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 did you have that he could ride? Well, I mean, she knew my work ethic, and she knew mm. I would always be employed. You know. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and I remember she she asked him. He was sitting in my father's home office, and he had his feet up on my dad's desk. And I didn't see it, but my grandmother saw it, and she walked in, and she shoved his feet off the desk. She was, like, five <laughs> foot tall, little five foot tall. Maybe she weighed 100 pounds, you know. Oh, but God. she slammed his feet off that desk, and she said, you get your feet off that desk. You will never be the man that he is. Mm. Hey, About Grandma. my dad. Wow. Mm. And she was wow. not hey, a Christian. Grandma. She was not what did a you professing say? Christian. She oh, wasn't a Christian. <laughs> I love it. I love and I it. Remember so she, when, she didn't have to worry about anything. All right. She did okay, not. Brother. She wasn't going to be accountable to God. Um, That's right. And I remember when, when she came to pick me up, you know, during uh, at, when I was leaving, um, leaving him, she said she put her finger, her tiny little finger right in his face, and she said, listen, I'm not a Christian like the rest of these people. <laughs> You you bother you bother her again, I will wipe the streets with you. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love she was it. sassy. I love it. She was I sassy. love it. Wow. Okay, so wait. So see this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Why? Because we're gonna push this forward. So you said now you're married and now ten months into the marriage, you start seeing some stuff that didn't look yeah. right. You started feeling some stuff that didn't feel right. What began to, sh- just a little piece, what began to shift that made you kind of know something was off? Uh, pornography. <clears throat> mm. I found uh, I found a huge stash of magazines. In his briefcase, and uh, and I, you know, looking back, Pastor Steph, I, I think he wanted me to, because he he let there were glossy pages sticking out of 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 the the briefcase, and I had never experienced anything. Um, like that, and and then um, that that's also the day that the gaslighting began, um, and and uh, and I wonder how correct my grandmother was, you know, that um, my father was a respected minister, and our first church assignment was actually with one of my father's colleagues. And writing my father's reputation could have been a thing. Um, and I was this person of, uh, you know, strong family, reputation in ministry, um, 
dependable, you know, I was mm-hmm. a good cover. Mm-hmm. I I can see that I was a good cover. Wow. For everything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, wait, at this time, Lori, he's doing what? Is he a minister? He's the, is he, at this point, the youth minister? When in you the find intern. Out yeah, we're interning at that small church. Okay. And okay. His, his explanation, in fact, was to blame the stash on a 15-year-old guy at the church. And he he had said to me um, that, you know, I was counseling this boy, and he handed me this stash and because he wanted to be done with it. And he said, and I just threw it in my briefcase, and I haven't thrown it in the dumpster. That's all it is. Mm. So that was the explanation. Okay. And, wow. You know, you're like, well, you know, that I mean, right, Pastor Stuff, that sounds like it could be. Right? Yeah, makes sense. You know? Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely a possibility. Yeah. That now mm-hmm. the question becomes, well, you know, you drove home, so you could have dumped it in a dumpster at any point and it's been several right. days now. <laughs> Yeah, but always that's the that's the gaslighting. It's like Mm -hmm. you. I began to think that I was crazy. That I and Mm -hmm. I always tell people now. I'll hold up a pen, and I'll say to people, by the end of it, you know, here's where I was. This pen, he he could convince you that this is a taco. Wow. And anybody wow. who has never experienced gaslighting, well, I know they look at me and they think, sister, you might be the one with the problem, you know, because mm-hmm. clearly that's an independent and ain't nobody going to tell me that's a taco, right? But right. that is the insanity of gaslighting. Right, right. You, Very don't, much know, so. you don't know what is the truth anymore. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, man. And then if you add to that, Pastor Steph, <clears throat> the desire to serve the Lord, the desire to be in ministry, the mm-hmm. the belief that God gives all of us second chances, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an optimistic nature, boy, you got a formula for a mess. Absolutely. Because I stayed and I stayed and I stayed. Stayed. Mm. Okay, so wait, wait, because there's a, por- a a portion of this I want to dedicate to talking about the healing part because I want them to get a nice, clear picture of the book. So before we before, before we run out of time, so you mm-hmm. found out about the pornography. How long were you married before the biggest bomb got dropped? Uh, Well, we were married a total of nine and a half years. Um, But we kept moving. And we we were in four different churches in three different states. And that's part of the problem, too. 
because there needs to be some communication between one church and another church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was, there was always that because of the gaslighting and the deception and the manipulation, there's always a, like a little gray area. You're like, I don't know, you know, that, that looks like that's not a good idea or that was the wrong thing. So the pornography graduated to <clears throat> affairs with teenage girls. And there would always be like this questioning, like, I don't know. And then I would have confrontation moments and say, listen, you definitely drove her home, you know, after the event. And she could have gone home with, you know, A or B. But you chose to drop us off. And drive her home, and now you're coming in late. You know, so there's something wrong. You know, there would be moments in those years that I would think, no, I am not crazy. This is wrong. And then there would be enough of a question that would get fired. And would go on to the next place. And then it would repeat itself again. Mm. One time, one time he did, I I found concrete proof. And boy, anybody who's been gaslighted is, understands that when there's a piece of objective evidence that you can touch, that is the greatest gift because you feel like your mind is crazy. Right, right, right. I found a letter. And I talk about that in the book. I found a letter to a teenage girl. Mm. Uh, And it was absolutely clear. Mm. So all that came of that was this confession to the senior pastor and to me. um, This is an emotional affair. Mm. And I was like, what the heck is that? What, what, is that wow. a thing? I was like, wow. I don't know. Is that a thing? And I think wow. according to the Bible, you know, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with love <laughs> in your heart, you have committed adultery. So I don't know that an emotional affair is like a downgrade from a full-blown one, you know? And I was just always in a state of confusion. Wow. So we were mandated to counseling then, Um, and we went twice, and he he left the church, and we moved out of state, and that's how we kept doing it. Wow, 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 and that happens all the time. That is a consistent story where, you know, as soon Mm -hmm. as you're found out, you just pack up. And they make an agreement that, you know, if you leave quietly, we won't expose Mm. you. And you just pack up and you go somewhere else. And like you said, it just starts all over in the new place. And when it's found out there, they just do the same thing over and over and over again. So we've got 15 minutes left. And I want to dedicate this time to... 
talking about a couple of things, and one of the biggest things I want to talk about is the healing because it's so important because we're talking about healing from this particular experience, but I'm sure some of the same components can be carried over into any need for healing. So what was the Mm. first thing that you did when you realized, okay, you know what, okay, this is not Lori, crazy Lori, this is actually sane Lori, I'm really ready to admit, you know, what's going on, and I realize what I'm seeing. What was the first thing you did that started the process of healing? Oh, I well, <clears throat> I'd like to go back a little bit because I don't want any woman to believe that <clears throat> there's um, the horror and then the healing mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, God mm-hmm. because God was with me through mm-hmm. the horror, and I want that always to be understood. It isn't mm-hmm. like you go through this wilderness of of horrific pain, and then you come, you know, and you've got years of that, and then God heals you. No. Right. God was with me, and that's what sustained me, Um, Mm. that I never felt abandoned by my Savior. I, Mm. I wrote poetry to God. I wrote letters to God, and I stand, and when I decided this, I'm divorcing, I'm divorcing. This is it. God has released me. I mm-hmm. God no longer expects, and that's the word I got, Pastor Steph, in okay. prayer, that I was released. This is it. No more. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it anymore. Um, and I actually uh, wrote, I had read, it, it's a fun story. I was doing the dishes, and I had been in prayer the whole marriage, you know, with three little boys came of this marriage. Mm-hmm. Beautiful children. Look just like their daddy. Um, which is a ripoff, you know, which I say to God, like, really? You know? Because I I went through a lot here, Father, um, and these beautiful children, um, all okay. Um, so I'm standing there doing dishes, looking at the children, playing outside, Um it's a Friday night. Um, it's, uh, the Christian bookstore in town closes at 6 o'clock. And the Lord drops this into my mind at like 5.40. So I, I don't even finish doing the dishes. I wipe my hands. He drops in my mind the, the term tough love. And I thought, yeah, I know. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. And so I yell to the boys, hey, where, come on, get in the car. We're going to the bookstore. And so we book it out, right? It all happens that fast. And, and I rush everybody into the bookstore before they close. And I said to the girl at the front, I didn't waste time looking. I said, hey, do you have a book called Tough Love? And she said, uh, no, but uh, Dobson wrote Love Must Be Tough. I said, very good. I'll take that. Okay. And okay. that's how fast it happened. God wow. dropped that into my mind. And I thought, okay, that's the answer. Whatever that, Whatever I'm going to learn there. I read half the book, you know, I did the mother thing, got the kids in bed, I read half the book that night, read the other half after cereal and breakfast in the morning, 
Um, and that book suggested that there, you know, because this is back, this is 30 years ago. I mean, nobody's talking about Me Too movement. Nobody's got mental right. health, you know, issues right. on their mind. Christians don't get divorced, you know. And mm-hmm. so I'm up against all of that struggle. And I read this book, and Dodson suggests a Christian separation. Create a boundary line that you will not cross. Write it down in a letter. This is my line. Mm. Take a stand wow. for righteousness. So wow. I wrote wow. that letter. And that's brief. Wow. Wow. Oh, I was scared to death. Oh, I was but visibly it was brave. shaken. I couldn't, I couldn't mm-hmm. eat. I, I was shaking. And, in fact, when I gave him the letter, I knew because of the gaslighting for all those years. And I didn't even know that's what it was. I keep saying it. Right. But that word was not around 30 years right, ago. Right, right. But that's I right. knew right. that unless I had live witnesses, that he would make everyone believe the pen was a taco. So mm-hmm. I, I wrote the letter, and I called our youth pastor and his wife. And I said, can you meet me? I'm going to give, you know, my husband the letter, a letter. You know, this is it. Because they knew. Um, right. And they were there. Yeah. And that was the day I said, you know, I drew my boundary line. And I said, I will not participate. Our life is a lie. I won't participate in it anymore. Wow. 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 Well, you you answered exactly what I was asking. Because when we talk about healing, a lot of people don't realize that the healing actually begins prior to the actual act of handing him the letter. So I love the way you described it because, and that's why I I said, um, that's why I posed the question the way I did because, you know, people think that, oh, you know, I, I, I just have to start healing. God has already started the process. Yes. And you now just have to walk in it. You know, it, it yes. doesn't just, like you said, it doesn't happen magically. And that's why I said earlier, hindsight is twenty twenty, Because when you actually look back, you're like, wow, I was already at such and such and such a state or stage before I even realized that I was actually there and I actually could. And that's why when women say, I can't leave, um, you know, um, um, every time I try to leave, I can't, you have to tap into the healing that God has already started. Because for you to even know you need to leave, you've done some healing. That that right there is already monumental in your walk. Because there are women or men who are in abusive relationships, regardless of what the abuse is, who never realize that they need to get out. And for you to even realize that it's time for me to go, whether you feel like you're, you're locked in even after that thought, it's still a level of healing. And I'm so glad you put it like that because that's exactly where I was going. Now, I, we only got a few minutes. I hate stuff like this because we just seem to run out of time. But I want you to talk about why you named the book Married by Myself. 
living a mm. parallel life with a man hiding behind a cloth. How did you get to that title? Um, I had my title for years um, because I thought, you know, I, for nine and a half years, I was the cheerleader. That's how I say it. I was the cheerleader for the marriage. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, number one, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in marriage because of the Bible. You know, I believe in the marriage because I took a vow before God and my friends and family. And it meant something to me. And it never entered my consciousness that I, me, my grandmother was divorced, um, you know, so I knew about divorce, but that's not going to happen to me. And then when the realization starts to hit that, uh uh-oh, I might actually, this might end in divorce, you know, this might have to end in divorce. And, and, And then that's a terrible thought for a person who believes in the the dream, you know? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. I think sometimes I think I held I held it so tightly the the institution of marriage itself, you know? Right. I wanted to be married. I wanted my children to have what I had growing up. And it took a long time for me to realize, um, Lori, you're the only one who wants that. <laughs> wow. 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 And my children, my staying was not allowing my children to have that. This mm. man I was married to was not my father. He wow. was a liar. He wow. was. And I thought, there are three little boys here, and they are living a life where they are going to believe. They're getting older, um, and they're going to watch 24-7, so it doesn't matter what we say. Mm -hmm. They're going to watch a man abuse a woman. Mm. And I was like, nope, nope, that. Oh, my goodness. Is not happening. They were eight, oh six, and three years old. Eight, wow. six, and three. When I drew the line, and I, I said, you know, to my father, who didn't, you know, preached against divorce, um, who since learned, right? Because God, God's taken all of us on a journey, you know. Right, of, right, of right. Grace. Um, And I always say to to Christian women, yeah, I know that God says, Malachi, I hate divorce. No kidding. What loving father would say, oh, I hope my my kids grow up and they get divorced? Right. (laughs) Right. God is our loving heavenly father. He hates divorce. Of course he does. It's the the evil gift that keeps on giving. Um, (laughs) It is wretched. It's just. It's painful. But I said to my dad and I said to my precious sister-in-law, who was a child of divorce, who, who was really reluctant for me to divorce, I said, and, and I said to myself and to everyone, here's the deal. I stand before my maker by myself. Mm-hmm. I better know that I know that I know that I know. 
that Laurie and Jesus are okay, because Judgment Day is not a group session. <laughs> I will I be it. in front of Christ myself. So that that ends that part of the story. The other thing is, these little boys will not grow up watching this. They won't. Amen. 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 And I can tell you from this side, Pastor Sepp, those three boys, God is so faithful. Because I think it's the mother's heart that is like, oh, God, please. Please, Mm. because every dream I have died. Mm. But, But please, they're innocent to all of it. And God has been nothing but an excellent, perfect parent. He has guided those boys. They're in their 30s. They're married to their beloved, beautiful, God-given partners. I have incredible daughter-in-laws. They are loving providers. My my daughter-in-laws put a post out on Facebook one Father's Day um, with all of them extolling the praises of the men that they married and how present they are in the lives of their families and their children. And I saved that post to the glory of God because God has done what God does. And he preserved the lives of my sons. And they they walk in, they walk with the Lord they are committed to their families. It is a beautiful thing to see what God does. Amen. That's a wonderful closing. Oh, mm. my goodness. What a wonderful closing to a phenomenal conversation. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because, you know, it's funny. I closed like that yesterday. My closing was about what a mother feels, what a mother senses, what a mother thinks, how a mother moves. And sometimes we've got to make some real hard decisions. And I love it because you now have just put the pieces together. You have tied in Tuesday's closing to, I'm sorry, Wednesday's closing to Thursday's story, which really kind of seals it all in, and I love it. Please tell everyone how to get your book and the journal. Yes, my website um, is, I, I named my company Victorious Anyway. So my LLC, and so uh, uh, is Victorious Anyway, and that is my website. So it is www.victoriousanyway.co, C-O, it's not .com. That was not available. So victoriousanyway.co will keep you connected to any further projects um, that are coming out, and there are buttons in there to order um, the book. And to keep up with the podcast, the church abuse coach information, all the information, and will be, you know, current on that website. Um, Also, the book can be purchased on Amazon. 
or Barnes and com, Walmart.com, uh, what else? Uh, Target. Um, so the books are out there in, you know, in the big world. Um, Wonderful. And the journal. Yeah. Uh, the journal that I wrote with my sister, I wrote in 2020. We wrote it when um, her cancer metastasized and mm. COVID happened and we got locked down together. Um, okay. So we wrote, it, we wrote a very encouraging journal called Happy Thoughts. And that is newly released in November. Um, Happy Thoughts, you can get that on Amazon or on my website as well. Um, it's a 31-day journal to cultivating joy. Um, mm. So we were in a pretty deep, sorrowful situation. And okay. Happy Thoughts is, is uh, it's a really fun journal. It's two sisters bantering back and forth about topics. And um, then the writer can choose to, you know, just process joy. How do we cultivate it? Because life is yuck sometimes. So mm. that journal, the, the journal and the memoir, Married by Myself, are currently on the website and coming in January will be Married by Myself a Healing Journey. And that's for anybody who, um, any Christian woman who's going through a divorce and there's all these different topics in there to process. Wow, wow, wow. Also, Lori is a coach and she offers yes. coaching services as well. So like for 30, in 30 seconds, tell us Tell us about that, and they can access you through your website as well, correct? Yes, that's another button on the website. Um, I offer four coaching sessions with you using what you'll see in my memoir and in the healing journal. God has always used music and scripture as truth. So I have a turn it up section where we we, uh, dive into music as therapy and as a healing tool. And then we uh, we write truth from our true north, which is the, the Bible, you know. That's where the truth is because your mind gets all in circles and Satan likes to keep you all messed up up there. So mm-hmm. we, we, for, we force feed some truth, and I will personalize that to your experience. But we'll use those two tools that I write about and um, you'll experience in the journal. We use music and scripture in the coaching sessions, and we get you started on a path of healing from old school methods from 30 years ago when none of this was talked about. We need to look at it. We need to heal from it. God used things to help my healing, and I want to share them with you. Wow, wow. This here was a a fantastic experience. I thank you so much for your contribution into today's um, episode. We've got to have you back because you just got finished saying something that I think we can definitely benefit from, so we'll definitely talk our spares, but we're going to definitely get you back um, on so that we can work on and discuss some other things that are definite, um, uh, some healing properties for God's yes. people. Um, thank you yes. so much for spending time with us yes. today, for giving us God's gems, for opening up and sharing your experience, you know, which is healing in and of itself. 
Um, it is. People don't realize that. And uh, you have definitely been a blessing, Lori. We will definitely chat again because we will definitely oh. have you back again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you. thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you're welcome. you, girl, and the work that you're doing for the kingdom of God. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Have a blessed one, Lori. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. That was amazing. Uh, it's the top of the hour on a Thursday. You know what time it is. It's the Pray For Them moment. Let's say good morning to Shanties. Good morning, Shanties. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm well, thanks. I'm even better now. D- did you enjoy our guest, Lori Sullivan? I did. Oh, I my did. Goodness. Very powerful testimony. One thing that you could extract from uh, Lori's testimony and actually use it. When God works through the Holy Spirit and he drops things. <laughs> oh, my God. Because as she was speaking, I, I, I felt like I received something from the Holy Spirit, and it kind of distracted me some from what she was saying, but um, when the Holy Spirit downloads something into your mind and you have to immediately act on it, and the only reason why I didn't act on it because, you know, I have to be attentive to, you know, pay attention to what's going on, but yeah, I, I believe with that because when your flesh desires with you being able to do what you should be doing or even if that's not the case but God just needs to give you clarity you know we really have to make sure we're not ignoring what how God is speaking to us and what he's saying to us regardless of the method that he's using so in her case you know she got like a title of a book she really went got the book read it and got the revelation she needed to make the moves that she needed to make you know, so it's like how how big of a blessing it is, you know, to have the ability to hear God in any form, whether it's audibly through his word, through his music, through, you know, him speaking through someone else. But how much of a blessing it is to be able to hear from God and be able to act on it and hear from him again to get that confirmation or correction. Like that, that was really powerful to, to hear. Amen, amen, and amen. Oh, thank you for sharing. What you got, girl? What you got? Okay, this week we are praying for 46-year-old Ramon Luis Ayala Rodriguez, better known to us as Daddy Yankee. He's a Puerto Rican rapper, singer, songwriter, actor. I just knew him as a rapper. I didn't know he did all those other things as well. But he's a very, very popular reggaeton star. He's known for his song, Gasolina. Everybody knows about that. And it's really crazy because my niece just asked me about that song last week. And I was like, you're you're nine. How do you know about that song? Um, Everybody knows (laughs) it. That's him. And he... He first started making music, I believe, back in um, 95, but that Gasolina song was like his real breakout song for anyone who 
wasn't already into the reggae zone genre. Um, everyone knew that song, especially if you were in the party mm. scene. Now he announced his um, he decided I'm sorry decided to retire from music last year in 2022, and during his final show, Ramon made an announcement, and I wanted to make sure I read his quote verbatim. Quote, my people, this is the most important day of my life. I want to share it because living a life of success is not the same as living a life of purpose. And what he was ultimately saying was that not only was he retiring, but he's leaving the music industry to pursue Christianity. Amen. And he says that despite... Yes, despite his success in the music industry, which I didn't realize how much success he really had, he kept filling a void that wasn't able to be filled until he started tapping into his faith. Quote, this is why tonight I acknowledge that Jesus lives for me and I live for him. All of the tools that I have within my power, like music, social media, my platform, my mic, everything that God gave me is now for him. I am human, and everyone that follows me should follow Jesus Christ, end quote. And he was really strategic because he made this announcement at the end of, because once he said that he was going to retire, um, now kind of rewind to earlier this year in March, he announced that he was going to have this um, finale tour and album um, the album is titled Legend Daddy, <laughs> and it received 175 million streams within the first three days of it being released. And when he mm-hmm. made the announcement that he was going to um, retire and this was the farewell album and tour, he didn't announce why, like because he mm-hmm. was leaving the industry for Jesus, which meant, and when I read that, I was like, oh, God, did you allow him to omit that piece of information at that point so that he could still get the listens and the attendance. That's right. At That's right. The, you know, at the concert, because from what I'm reading, this was almost like some Michael Jackson. Uh, if anyone, if, if you haven't, YouTube it. Um, anyone who ever saw Michael Jackson at Super Bowl, how powerful and, and like, influential that performance was, that that's what this put me in the mind in. And he made this announcement at the end. So not only did you have so many people streaming and downloading your album, but I can imagine the attendance at the, the tour. And now you're standing there and you're not only saying I'm leaving, but I'm leaving for Jesus and saying what I just read. And it was fireworks and I'm reading that um after the fireworks was like a huge cross popped up and then the words hold on, Christ loves you popped up behind him also. So it was like very, very, very blatant as to why he's decided to leave behind all of this success that the world deems as success. He had the crossover hit and the number one song back in 2017, um, Despacito, also along with the Gasoline song and Despacito, that was done along with Justin Bieber. I didn't realize that he was actually, he became the best-selling Latin artist of the 2000s, and he collaborated with artists like Janet Jackson and Snoop Dogg and Jonas Brothers. I didn't realize he had all this success, but again, to the natural mind, it's like, how could you leave all of this? Talking about you leaving this and you going to to Jesus, because surface-wise, Jesus just seems whack and dry, but 
I love how he, you know, he, he did all of this, and it was very, very, very strategic. So you lifted him up in prayer and praying that he sticks to this, you know, because if God allows him to have this success in the world, we can only imagine. You know, even if God doesn't keep him in the music, you know, the the followers that are going to stay with him, you know, as he is on this journey with Christ, you know, praying for his team, his wife, um, I'm not sure if he has kids, I didn't read, but you know, he may have children. Pray for his family and the support of them as well because those of us who are in Christ, we understand the importance of our support system. A lot of times your support system can make or break you. Yes, you know, as um, Ms. Sullivan just said, you know, our, you know, being able to be met up in the air with Jesus, our um, the judgment time. That's a one-on-one thing. Even at the end of the night, like forget before we get to judgment. At the end of the night, it's only us and God. But we know, and God understands the importance of our support system. Praying for His followers that they don't, you know, hear this and get turned off because of how they may have originally heard of Christianity or any um, bad experience they've had on their own. But just focusing more on how this successful artist is now leaving this to pursue him. You know, so praying that they focus more on that and allow that to influence them as well. Praying for all of us, you know, who have already said yes to Jesus, that we would um, look at this and allow this to be um, extra, you know, an extra influence for us, you know, to be able to say yes. You know, this is someone who was in the world, of the world, and now they're deciding to be on this side. So just praying for all of that overall and, you know, just um, definitely giving God a word of thanks for being who he is and continuing to pursue these artists because we talk about, we've been talking about this industry a lot lately with the praise yeah. for them and how demonic and, and sick and twisted God is really allowing it to, you know, it's always been like this, but now he's really just allowing it to just spill all out. So it's really praying for, you know, his, his walk with God and that he stays consistent with it. Amen, amen. What's his name? His name is Ramon, Ramon Rodriguez. Okay. But we know him as Daddy Yankee. Daddy who? Daddy Yankee. Oh, I didn't know that was the same person. I've heard of him before, but I didn't know that was the same <laughs> guy who sang that song. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ramon Rodriguez. Okay. Ah. Hmm. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, and as always, we say thank you for all that you have enabled us to do, all that you have blessed us with, waking us up today, giving us another chance to get it right. And, Lord, we take this time to lift up before you your son, Ramon Rodriguez, and we're grateful. This this is a praise report today, dear Heavenly Father, yes. that someone was willing to renounce notoriety, fame, fortune, just drop it all to take up the cross and follow mm-hmm. you. And we give you thanks, dear Heavenly Father, because it takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of courage. 
to actually stand mm-hmm. in this world and publicly and wholeheartedly say, I'm done and I'm down for Jesus. I'm done, and I'm given this very life, this very air that I breathe, all of this talent and gift and um, all of this I'm giving to God. He, 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 it belongs to him. It all belongs to him. God owns it all. Thank you, Father, for the example that he's setting. And we pray to Heavenly Father for every individual who actually looks at him and makes a very conscious decision to follow him, dear God, who says, you know what, if he can do it, I can too. How many other entertainers can he actually influence who may have been teetering on this whole decision, who may have been waffling and trying to figure out if it's something that they should do or, you know, what would the people think and what would they, how would they support? And they would watch him just leave it all. That he didn't care about doing it in front of millions. That he didn't care about losing Mm -hmm. the millions. That he was really willing. And he didn't talk about it. Which is probably why there was no announcement. I can't Amen. I can't get discouraged when people don't know what I'm about to do. Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank you to Heavenly Father for everyone who poured into him. Everyone who gave mm-hmm. him that encouraging word. And they didn't even realize that they were doing so. Everyone who had influence and didn't realize they were doing so, but they were just being obedient to what you were saying. Thank you for his reception, woo, to be in that arena, but to still hear from you and act on it, amen, that they didn't didn't speak and he rejected them, that they didn't speak, but he felt he knew more, that he wasn't in a space where uh, he was uh, uh, talking and they responded, but yet he just pushed it to the side because he wanted to just feel what he wanted to feel and think what he wanted to think and live the way he wanted to live. But he actually heard from you and he moved. Thank you, Father. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because that's what your son died for, for moments just like that. For a time such as that. When you're hearing something and, and, and you're trying to speak to us, God, but we so deep in our feelings and deep in our thoughts and we just want to be left alone, just left to feel and think, and yet you've got somebody talking and you just reject it. Thank you for him listening. Thank you. As a messenger, I thank you for him listening, that he can actually push out all, all of the enemy all that the enemy had for him, as innocent as it may have seemed, as 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 light as as it may have seemed, why would God give me all this fame for me to leave it? Thank you. Oh, I applaud, I applaud, I applaud, I applaud this entire movement, God, and I. Thank you. Thank you for his family, um, the Amen. ones who stepped out of the way, the ones who just stepped to the side Amen. and just let him make his decision. 
We ask you, dear Heavenly Amen. Father, that he would be a, the biggest blessing he could ever imagine. That only what Amen. we do for you will last. So we need to turn it all over to you because, again, yes. you own it all to begin with. Nothing we have belongs to us. So even though all Amen. that talent didn't belong to him because he had to give it back to you. All of the people who, who, who was gravitating to him, those people didn't belong to him. They belonged to you. All the money belonged to you. All the homes and the cars and all the wealth and all of the possessions, it belonged to you anyway. Thank you for his courage. Thank you, thanking you for him being able to stand up, dear Heavenly Father. So, Lord, we ask you to just continue to bless his life, continue to give him the strength that he's going to need to move forward. Thank you for his example, the example that he's setting. Mm-hmm. And, again, what he did to encourage others to make that same move. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you and thank you. We love you. We love you because you show us who you are at all times. We thank you for Lori, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for her her witness and her testimony this morning, God. And we pray that people such as Lori and Ramon can continue to stand up and draw all men unto you. Mm. That's what you have us here for. Well, you don't have us here to do what we want to do. You don't have us here so we can live for us. You have us here so that others can benefit from all that you have done for us. Uh, Bless all of his surroundings. Bless all of her surroundings. Bless all that they have. Bless what they don't have. But it's coming to them. And that their faith will keep them grounded until you have it delivered to them, till that moment that it arrives in their possession. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for Shantice, mm-hmm. who you continue to use on a regular basis, God. You, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray that you bless every listener, that their lives would be changed. Mm-hmm. Just from the, the little bit we contribute. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Shantice. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we, you're welcome. You, we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Wow. That was great. That was great. Um, I had something that I wanted to say, and then I kind of lost it when Shanti started talking about uh, Daddy Yankee. <laughs> I actually didn't realize that. He was the same person that actually, like I said, even made the music. I've heard of the song. I actually like the song. It has a wonderful beat to it. Um, you know, kind of very catchy. Um, but I, I, I give God thanks for uh, Lori and her testimony. <clears throat> and, again, the courage that it takes to do what needs to be done. And I remember now what I wanted to say. You know, I, I will share this with you. Um I watch my parents unhappy together. I remember my mother, I used to ask her 
why why are you doing this? I, I used to ask her that all the time. And because she was so unhappy. And it didn't necessarily meant that my father was doing anything or he was doing everything because it takes two to tango. But I used to ask her, why you, you know, why would you stay in a relationship? And she used to always say, um, you girls need a father. And I remember having my own feelings about that. And I remember feeling I would rather watch you alone. I would rather watch him alone or with, you know, you two not together and happy. I I, I appreciate the movement, (laughs) if that's what it really is, you know. Um, But at the end of the day, I would rather y'all be happy and separate than to be together and unhappy. Because we don't know how long we got on this earth. And I I was a kid. I was young when I used to think that way. And I applaud Lori because, just like I said yesterday, a mother has, like, so many feelings that she carries around with her. And a lot of times you hear people say they stay together for the kids. And I have said to so many people, you need to see God about this here because you could actually be doing more damage staying. And I used to ask a, a, a friend that I had, oh, he had one, ma- oh, my goodness gracious, the marriage was an absolute mess. And I used to say to him, I said, how do you, um, how do you show these boys because he had three, he had three, three boys. He ended up with four boys. He ended up having a fourth a child, and it was a boy. And I said to him, I said, "How do you know what you're silently teaching them when they watch their mother treat you like trash?" This was open. What she used to do, what she used to say, was all in front of the kids. And I've I've asked several men that that were friends, that are friends. And I used to say, "What are you teaching these boys?" They have no respect for women, and they're going to either lash out at these women because you didn't lash out or you didn't respond, and they're going to be angry at what they saw. And sure enough, um, it's been years later. They were kids back then. It's been years later, and I used to ask. Um, I did ask one of the men, the first man I ever asked this to, the first man, and he said to me, he said, Steph, I'll never forget you used to ask me that. He said, and I watch them boys right now, neither one of them, none of them, none of them, the two older ones especially had children um, and were married, and he said they have all have trashy relationships. He said, I remember you used to always say, what was I teaching them staying? Sometimes you got to make a move as a parent. It may not be the, the, the one you may want, but you got to look at what's for the greater good. And sometimes the, for the very reason you stay is for the very reason you need to, to leave. And I, I give God thanks that she did go. Because if that meant that they came out to be the men that they are now, amen. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, because they will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank Ms. Lori Sullivan. 
for just joining us today and blessing our lives. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. We've got two big examples right in front of us today and how it can make a difference in your life. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Freestyle Friday. Until then, I love you.